31. And God said, Let us make man in our image, after our likeness. And let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them, and God said unto them, Be fruitful, and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed. To you it shall be for meat, and to every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to every thing that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat, and it was so. And God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good, and the evening and the morning were the sixth day. Please pray with me. Father God, thank you for yet another opportunity this morning to gather together with your sons and your daughters to be reminded of the truths, Lord, that brought us life. Lord, to be gathered around and sing songs that remind us of what you've done in the earth as well as what you've done for us to rescue us. Father, impact our hearts this morning in a way that impacts our lives as we learn of your plan since the ages began for your people to image who you are through the earth. Father, help us to be equipped today from what we hear, learn, help us to grow so that we can better fulfill, Lord, what you've called us to do. Father, we remember this morning and lift up the church that meets in Rockland at Littlefield Memorial. We pray that they would be blessed by hearing, by the preaching of your word, by their worship. And we especially pray for Pastor Mark, that you would fill him with your spirit and allow him to communicate what it is you have for the church this morning. Father, we're so grateful for your goodness to us and your great kindness to your people. Bless us this day, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. So you can get into this um, chapter here because it's so foundational to everything that the scripture unfolds. Um, Sometimes you look at this chapter and kind of look at it as, oh yeah, well, that's interesting, God made us in his image, and that's really important. Um, but don't put the priority on it that the Lord does, and so I want to, want to do that and show how foundational it is for, for everything that um, uh, applies to, to our existence um, for God. Um, so I want to ask you this morning, what, what has God been up to? 
What is what is his mission since creating the world? Maybe you ever asked yourself a question even going further back, what was God doing before he created the world? He's a being who enjoys fellowship. He's not a solitary being. He's a one he's one God in three persons who enjoys full joy and fellowship. You see, the gods of of, of Allah and the god of, of other uh, other religions and of course the many different gods that so call call themselves here have something lacking in a lot of them. Allah could never be a god of love because he always existed by himself until he made the world. Our God has always been a God of relationship. And that lends us a clue as to what is his mission in creation. This chapter is written by Moses. Moses led the Israelites out of Egyptian slavery to a land God had for them. These people that God had called out from the pagan nations were surrounded by these pagan nations, and, and their nation stabs at what they, at why they were here on this planet. And there are many gods who are corrupt and explain their purpose and existence here. There are many gods who are corrupt and just as flawed as the nations that invented them. And Moses here is leading this call-out people group here, the Israelites, is showing this people group that have been called out of the nation where they came from and who their one true covenant God was and, who, and what God's design was. So in Genesis 1, you have God's word and God's doing. And they are in alignment. What God says and what he does are in alignment. And what he's doing and saying in creation is showing his power, his beauty, his relationship to the universe. But most importantly, his purpose. Because in these verses, we get to the climax of the week of the six days here of creation and 26 through 31. It's like everything builds up to this here, the climax. Let me ask you a question, and, I'll, and I'll, I'll take some feedback here. When you think of the image of God, what do you think of? When you think of the image of God, what do you think of? What's that? God's, God's holiness, okay. What about the, uh, of us being in the image of God? Being made in the image of God. What are some things that come to mind? Maybe a, a very powerful. What's that? Very powerful. Very powerful. And what? What's? What? What? What do you mean specifically there? Of what He did, He created the universe. Okay. Yeah, God is very powerful and created the universe. But as as far as us being made in the image of God, what comes to mind? What does that mean? There is a spirit within us. Okay. Relates to the Lord. Relationship. A relationship? Okay. Three parts. Body, soul, and spirit. Body, father, son, Okay. That perhaps can correspond. Christ. What's that? Christ. Christ. He was God. Yep. Think of Christ. Okay. I've always thought that God must look more like us than we think he does. Uh huh. Well, he's spirit. Yeah. <laughs> well, no, but he created us in his image, and so he looks. I know, it sounds like it's 
you know, taking down the law is like business. It's just much smaller just than you think it is. But we see when Jesus comes in the flesh, he becomes, God becomes like us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anything else? When you think of us being made in the image of God, what is it? What does that mean? Capacity to love. Jay? Or uh, Josh? Capacity to love. Capacity to love? Peter? Similar attributes. Similar attributes? Yeah. Um, so, so what uh, a lot of people... Yeah. Charlie? I want to think and reason. Okay, to think and reason. So a lot of times when we think about the image bearing of God, we think of a number of abilities or properties, right? Think of intelligence and reasoning ability. Think of emotions. Think of communing with God, relationship. Think of an awareness. And we have things that make us different from the animals, right? Um, you think of language, communication ability, um, free will, the ability to, to, to choose uh, here. Um, but the thing I want us to see this morning is that those are, those are some functions that come out of being in the image of God. That's not the image of God. I'm explaining it to you. First thing I want us to see this morning is that the mission of God gave us an irrevocable prestige. That's a big word. <laughs> I chose those specifically. Irrevocable means it can't be taken away. Whether you like it or not, whether you're an atheist or a Christian, Muslim, you name it, you were made in the image of God. Nothing you can do about that. You were stamped with that. We were given an irrevocable prestige. And help us understand the idea of an image of God here. Remember this, the, the uh, <clears throat> think of the, the culture that, that Moses is writing. He's in what's called the ancient Near East, where you have Mesopotamian cultures, and Moses had Grown up where? In Egypt. What do you know about Egyptian worship? There are all kinds of gods, right? And the plagues and exodus were meant to strike down those gods and show their futility against the one true God. But also they had who? Who ruled over Egypt? Pharaohs, right? Pharaohs. And in ancient Egypt and the surrounding ancient Near East, the kings, whether it was Hammurabi of the first Babylon or, or pharaohs here, the kings were thought to be in the image of God. The kings. And the rest of the people were the king's slaves to serve the image of God. And so, if you had a pagan temple, you would have a statue of that God. Why? Not because they believed that statue was God, but as a representation of their God. And they believed that their God inhabited that statue, that stone, that stick. And for a king to show his power, for a king to show that he was the image of God and therefore his authority and his dominance on the borders of their kingdoms, before they crossed the boundary in the other kingdoms, they would have statues of themselves that would say, this is the land of the image of the king. And here's what God says about all humanity, Moses is saying. All humans are made in the image of God. And as God is creating this perfect world and these perfect human beings, uh, uh, that, that he's saying 
They are his representatives. They are his vice regents. They are his kings. And there's no part-time here. There's no part-time being in the image of God, right? This is, this is a status here. Normally we think of the image of God as an ability. But I want to ask you a question. If we think of the image of God as an ability, and I think those abilities that were mentioned here can grow out of the image of God, but that's not ultimately what the image of God is. It is a declared status by God. Because what is an unborn human portrays the image of God? Do you have the reason? Do you have the relationship? Do you have the self-awareness? can develop, right? But every human being is made in the image of God. What about a human in a vegetative state? Yes. Every human being is made in the, in the image of God. You see, so if, if every foreign god in the Old Testament times uh, had a temple and every temple had an image, that image was to be the physical representation of of their God, a visible sign of their of their dominion here. And some scholars, as we look at Genesis here, say that, 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 that what you see in Genesis here is like a is like a temple dedication here to God, the one true God. Yahweh, He's built a universe here as this temple in which He resides and over 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 whom He presides here. And rather than setting up statues of Himself, you know what He did. Image bearers, mobile image bearers, men and women, men and women, both image bearers of God, men and women. And we function as the signposts to the creation that our God is the true King and that He is good. We were given an irrevocable prestige. Oh, do you notice how often it's repeated? Verse 26, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God created him, he him. Male and female created he them. In a world that doesn't have purpose. In a world where many and more and more lives are ending in suicide. This text is foundation. We have in this passage here an ordered, purposeful cosmos, a, a universe with God at the helm. And He's masterfully guiding its course. And this cosmos functions just as it was designed to function. It was what? Good. And here on this day, He says, it was very good. You see, all those days before, we're, we're building up the platform here. We're setting the stage for imagers of God. People are portrayed here as a pinnacle of creation and down with His dignity, made in the image of the Creator, made to serve God, not as slaves, like the ancient Near East idea here, but as partners of God. We delegate to do His good work. They enjoy his favor and his blessing, and then he, he and he provides what they need. You notice what it said there um, in, uh, in in verse twenty six. He says, "Let us make man our image after our likeness and have dominion." And then in verse twenty seven, 
created man in his own image, and the image of God created him, male and female created them. In verse 28, and God blessed. That word sounds empty sometimes because of how often it's used. But that is a rich word. You want the blessing of God. And God blessed them. Made in his image. Made in his likeness. So later on, God has these, the nations turn and go their own way. You know, those starting with Adam, sin, and Jeff in the in Genesis chapter 3, and then later on the nations go their own way into the Tower of Babel. And then God forms out of, uh, out of the nations, he calls Abraham, and he says, you're going to be a blessing. He blesses him and says, you're going to be a blessing to all the nations. And then out of, out of Israel, uh, out of Abraham, then he makes this nation of Israel. And so God leads him out of captivity and Egypt. And, and Israel is called to go on and to represent their king, represent the one true God. And at Mount Sinai, they're given God's law. And there's a couple things that are, that are said there when they're given God's law. They're told not to take the name of the Lord of God, the name of, of their God in vain. And they're told not to make any graven images. Now, a part of not taking the name of the Lord your God in vain is not using his name as a casual word, as a swear word. That's part of it. But if that's all that is, that's pretty hollow. It's way more than that. Because that word take has the idea of burying God's we are called, Israel is called to bear God's name. And they were not to bear his name in vain. You know what he had done for them. Brought them out of slavery in Egypt. In other words, they were not to squander the status of being called out of all the nations. That status of imaging, their saving came. They were not to squander that. Do not bear the name of the Lord your God in vain. And they weren't to make any what? Graven what? Images. Images. Other word. That word again. There's a couple reasons. It certainly means that we don't make any created things idols. We don't carve things and worship that. It certainly means that. Why? Because God is a spirit. And cannot be created. The second reason is this. Who were the images of God? Israel was to be the image of God. They were to represent God. They were to image, display His fullness to the world as they walk in His ways. God didn't need statues, He had people who were to image out who God was. And his goodness. And so we were given an irrevocable prestige made in the image of God. There's not a human being you haven't locked eyes with who wasn't made in the image of God. Of all ethnicities, of both genders, of all ages. There's not a human being we have buried on this earth. It's not made in the image of God. Secondly, I want you to see that we were given, through God's mission here, an irrevocable privilege. An irrevocable privilege. 
Look what he says in verse 26. Let them have dominion, authority over the fish of the sea, the fowl of the air, the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps upon the earth. Verse 28. And God blessed them, and God said that them be fruitful and multiply, and replenish the earth, and subdue it, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the earth, and over every living thing that moves upon the earth. Behold, I've given you every herb bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, and the, which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed to you, it shall be for food. And every beast of the earth, every fowl of the air, and everything that creeps upon the earth, wherein there is life, I've given every green herb for meat. And it was so. It was good, and it was very good. We were given an irrevocable privilege. Lots of times we look at these kinds of things that um, God gave Adam and Eve, and we think, all right, well, here's God, again, telling people what to do. they got to do something. And we're looking at it wrong. Because if we were given this irrevocable prestige, then along with this is we get to do this. We're given an irrevocable privilege. This is what flourishing is. This gives purpose here. And, 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 and humanity was to reflect God as its representative. And you notice he says, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. Why is he telling them that? Because God wanted his earth Filled, listen, there's the mission of God connection here. God wanted his earth filled with image bearers. Why? Because image bearers declare and represent God. They bear his name in this world to show that he is good. And so we, they were given an irrevocable privilege. We get to do this. This is, this is his purpose here. And, and while God is giving this, they were to mirror God and to represent him. This wasn't, a, this wasn't a part-time task, by the way. This is what you do on Sunday. This is it. Seven days a week. 24 hours because this is an irrevocable, permanent status. You are images of God. So therefore you have this privilege to do so. In all areas of life, in your sleep, you know how you image God in your sleep? You're declaring His goodness by saying, He's in control while I sleep. In your work, in your families, in your relating to people. Jason works as a carpenter, contractor, in the way he relates to his customers, in the way he does his work. And the way he gets the opportunities to speak of God's work and saving work in his life and to share that with others, he's imaging God. Rebecca's going to go to Guatemala pretty soon. She began a business that helps struggling mothers in Guatemala who earn very little to be able to have an increase in their income and have some practical better things in their lives. It's making a difference in their world. She's allowing them to have the dignity. Curtis cutting wood or excavating. He's showing dominion over creation and good stewardship. He's helping homes be heated. <laughs> he's, he's, he's forming things that need to be formed and it gives him opportunity to talk about the goodness of God in his life and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. Josh sells windows and doors. How does that 
and show the image of God. Good <laughs> I was trying to think about that. Because everything does. He's selling what I would hope he would say is a quality product. He sold a sliding glass door to me and it's still working. So that's good. <laughs> um, there a couple years ago. Um, he gets to put windows in people's houses to keep the elements in. This is the curse of the earth, right? And some of these houses have amazing views and see what God's created. He's opportunity to relate to people and do good for them. I'm not trying to rip them off. Moms, as you take care of your children, you are imaging the goodness of God. What, you, what am I talking about here? You are showing the fullness of God. God has given you that irrevocable privilege that came from this irrevocable prestige, this status that can never be taken away. Some of you are artists. And a lot of the world looks at artists as, you know, that's kind of stupid. What does that, how does that make the world better? You know, what, what does that contribute? And you have an eye to see beauty, whether that's song or poetry or painting or drawing or drama. You are displaying to the world that you have been made in the image of God and you have an opportunity out of that venue to communicate the goodness of God. Charlie with his stone walls and, and stonework can take something dug out of the ground covered in dirt and make it look amazing. Because he's reflecting the status here of the image of God. Maynard is one of the finest finished carpenters you'll see. That's not what he's doing. Now he runs the boiler there at the main state prison. Why are people able to do that? These functions, these abilities come out of this prestige. And they come out of this privilege now that we get to do this. Well, you say, yeah, well, how does this connect with the mission of God? That was then. This is now. Well, here's, the, here's the thread that connects here, okay? Again, we're all made in the image of God. The difference here is what? Let's say, right? Perfect image. God's blessing. And now, what you see is what the writer of Hebrews laments here is we don't see all things now put under the dominion and the lordship of Christ. What we see now, uh, what, uh, what, what we have now is we have original sin. Which is a big word that simply means we're born in sin. And the image of God is not gone, but it's been twisted. It's out of sorts. It's been marred. It's been broken. And you might say, well, how does then this idea of this prestige and this privilege that we have, how does it relate to us in a broken world? And here's the answer. Thirdly, we were given an irrevocable person. An authoritative person. A once and for all person who covers past, present, and future is Jesus Christ. Because God added to his nature a human nature in the person of Jesus Christ. 
He was always had a divine nature. He was always God eternal. And he added to his nature a human nature. He took upon flesh in the person of Jesus Christ. In an obscure part of the world, Galilee. We wouldn't even hear about it today if what the events in the scriptures didn't happen. And in 2 Corinthians 4, this Jesus who came and joined in the, this world and, 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 uh, and, and experienced the, the brokenness now that we have because of sin, but yet without sin, pure, perfectly obedient, this Jesus Christ who lived perfectly, who died for our sins, who rose again and is ascended on high as authoritative is described in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, as the very image of God who shines. Paul says this in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 4, uh, The God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine to them. Friends, we were given the person to make up the difference here. We had nothing. He had everything. He restores the image of God through faith in Him and His work. Flip over to Colossians chapter 1 and verse 15. Colossians 1 and verse 15. Who is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of the prototype here, the, 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 the firstborn of every creature, the one who's elevated above creation here is what Paul's saying. The image of the invisible God, Jesus Christ. Look in Hebrews chapter 1. You get a lot of it out of reading chapter 2 here. In relation to this, as he quotes Psalm 8. But Hebrews 1 and verse 2. God has in these last days spoken to us by his Son, whom he has appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world's who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person. In upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high, being made so much better than the angels, as he had by inheritance obtained a more excellent name than any. We were given an irrevocable person. How does that relate to us? Here's the beautiful truth of Genesis chapter 1 here. Now, right here today in 2021. Through our faith in the Lord Jesus, God joined us. Fallen sinners, marred, twisted, broken image. He joined us with the perfect image of God, Jesus. And so out of that, now we shine out again the restored image of God. The word that's used in the New Testament is fruit. Fruitfulness. It's the idea in Genesis 1 here, be fruitful and multiply. In fact, I'd like you to look at Romans 8, 29 here at this idea of being joined to the image of God because Romans 8, 29 says this. And then I'll have you turn over to Ephesians 4. Romans 8, 29. For whom he did foreknow, we also did predestinate to be conformed to the image of of his son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. You see God's purpose here? People 
pluck this firebrands out of the wrath of God for the rebellion against God and the deliberate destruction of the image of God are saved and they are now conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. In fact, Ephesians 4 puts it this way. In verse 20 of Ephesians 4, Paul says, If so be that you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning the former manner of life, conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. God recreates us. He recreates us. So that we're fruitful. So that we display the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit isn't just a nice little Sunday school kids concept here. The fruit of the Spirit is the goodness of God plus imaging who God is. That's the fruit of the Spirit. It's what is flowing out of us here. And so when God tells us to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth because he wanted Adam to fill the earth with his descendants as images and representatives of God, images of God, image bearers of God, that call is passed down to Noah in Genesis 9. It's passed down to Abraham in, in, in Genesis 12 to be a blessing. It's passed down to Isaac, to Jacob, to Israel. And that call here is transformed here through us, uh, by, by the coming of Jesus Christ to us, with a focus now on still filling the earth with image bearers of God. Restored In fact, in the book of Acts, there's a word that's used over and over to describe the progress of the church. And it's the word that many times is translated increase, 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 or increases. And that word that's used in the Greek translation of the Old Testament is the same word used in Genesis 1.28. Genesis 1.28 of fruitfulness. Increase means to bear fruit. The word of God was starting to bear fruit as the nations began to be reclaimed by the gospel of Jesus Christ. You can look at the word in Acts 6-7 as the word multiplies in Jerusalem. Acts 12-24 as it multiplies in Judea and Samaria. And Acts 19-20 as it spreads and increases in fruitfulness to the end of the earth here. Colossians chapter 1, Paul celebrates to the Colossians. He says, the word of truth, the gospel, in Colossians 1, 5, and 6, has come to you as indeed it has come in the whole world and is bearing fruit and it's increasing. And in Colossians 1, 10, he prays that they would walk bearing fruit in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God. And through the gospel of Jesus Christ and the advance of his church here, as we declare the goodness of God and bear his name and show his image, Christians, through the Holy Spirit, fill the earth as images, imagers, and representatives of God by the power of the gospel. Think of Matthew 28. 16 through 20. Go, as you're going, make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit, bearing God's name, teaching them to obey whatever I've commanded you. And I'm with you in that. 
and has given you dominion, authority to do so. Because all authority is in me. The image of God. Do you remember um, some guys tried to be tricky to Jesus? And he came up with this Roman coin to Jesus. Brought this coin to Jesus. And he said, um, so who's this coin belong to? What do we do with this coin? If you would have seen that Roman coin. You would have seen that that coin had an imprint of Caesar's head on it. Why would that coin have an imprint? And why do our coins have imprints of our leaders? Why would that Roman coin have an imprint of Caesar's head on it? Caesar's image on it. Why? Declaring his power, his authority, right? For his image. That coin also would have been written and scribed with his name, Caesar's name. And here's what's true about believers. Through Christ's new covenant, we share that twin distinction, those two things, of being God's image and bearing his name. And you remember how Jesus evades that question? Matricum says, they're asking, shall we pay taxes? He says, who's, who's on that coin here? He says, sure, pay your taxes. But devote your entire lives to God. Live out your calling as his representatives. Bear his name among the nations. Demonstrate by our lives that Christ is King. Demonstrate with the good news, the word of good news, as you pass this blessing to others, of how you can know the King and what the King has done. Bear his name. I'm going to close with one passage here. I'd like you to go with me. Turn with me over to 2 Peter chapter 1. 2 Peter 1. Peter knows that he is on his way out of this planet. The time's coming for him to be martyred. And he wants to remind a cluster of churches, the network of churches that he, had, he has ministered to him uh, here, of, of things that they need to remember. And in 2 Peter 1, <clears throat> he says, We're in this together. He's attained this precious faith of the righteousness of God and our Savior Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you through the knowledge of God and Jesus Lord. Look what he reminds them of. Them. Okay? Verse 3. According as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him that has called us to what? To glory, to imaging God, and to virtue, to good things. Whereby are given to us exceeding great and precious promises that by these you might be partakers of the what? The divine nature, restored image bearers of God. You have the life of God in you. That doesn't mean you're all powerful. It doesn't mean those things. What it means is this. Your heart's been born again. The Spirit took out your old heart of stone and put a heart of flesh in it. Put the Spirit to live inside of you. Those are all uh, illustrations of the means that God put the Spirit living inside of you. The very life of God resides in you. You are the temple of God. Us together bear God's name. His divine power. He's restored this image of God here. 
that we might be partakers, sharers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust or wrong desires. And now he says, and here's how you bear fruit. Besides this, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue, and the virtue knowledge, and knowledge temperance or self-control, and the self-control patience, and the patience godliness, and the godliness brotherly kindness, and the brotherly kindness charity or love. For if these things be in you and abound, they overflow. Because God's in you. You don't just get a little bit of God. Like, okay, Bert, you got 0.5%. Peter, you got 16%. No, you get all of God. And guess what? You can't hold that in. You've been given a divine nature, and it's going to overflow. For if these things be in you and abound, they make you that you shall neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. You were made to house the fullness of God. Very soon. Do you know how this fruitfulness and this multiplication of image bearers comes through? What's that source here? Colby was telling me that um, they have a remote in their house that doesn't work very well, and so they got to bang it sometimes, and then it works. <laughs> and so, um, Colby's son picked up something and banged it because he thought that was going to work. <laughs> picked up a tree, right? Picked up a tree because he is dwelling in the presence of his parents. And so it is with us. As we dwell in the fullness of God, through the perfect image of God, the Son Jesus Christ in flesh here, we develop tenderheartedness, compassion, humility, forgiveness, joy, hope, through the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, the New Testament says. That is this. By dwelling in the presence of God the Father in Jesus Christ as a community. And that's why God's given us each other as well. Because some of us have this strength over here, and we really stink at this over here. And so I need that model. I'm realizing more and more the things that I've grown in and learned are because of other people saying that. Because disciples making disciples is truth and relationship. Jesus Christ is truth and relationship. When you have grown... It's because of truth and relationship modeling. And so God has God does these things because he means for us to fill the earth with his presence. And we do that here because the mission of God calls us to, to join in, participate in what he is doing. And his commission to us is making disciples. You might say, well, um, the image of God in my life here... <clears throat> I'm still under the old. I haven't called upon the name of the Lord. I haven't received His gift and pledged my life to Him. I haven't received that. And the Bible says, you are lost in your sins and you are blind and you are like someone who has leprosy. There's a disease in your soul. The disease is called rebellion and wrong desires. But here's the amazing thing about God. He never tells us to stay there. And He always invites us to come. 
Because in Jesus Christ you find wholeness, you find purpose, you find the reason for life, most importantly you find where true joy is. And so God's call to you is to turn this direction to Him. It's called repentance. To trust in the finished work of Jesus Christ, crucified and risen again and ascended. And to declare that and bear His name at your baptism. Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, yes, no, Rebecca and Brett were baptized. And they were baptized to declare to the world that they were bearing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Spirit as Jesus' people. That's what they were doing. That didn't save them, but it showed the world that that's what they were doing. That's what they were calling upon. That's what they were committing to. That's what God is calling each person who has that image of God torn and broken to turn to Him and find Jesus the perfect image of God. So the invitation to all those who don't know the Lord Jesus Christ who might be in the hearing of my voice this morning and even beyond is this. Turn to Jesus. Turn to Jesus. If you need more discussion or explanation of, of what that means, I'd love to have, a, have, a, have more discussion with you and, and, and have a conversation with you or point you to some people who can. But very simply, it means to trust in Jesus. Declare your allegiance to King Jesus. Because of his finished work, and now follow him. And then believers, I want to remind you of your calling. If you're in Christ, you have a heart that's regenerated. It's been made new. You have a new life. Eternal life. And you're in Jesus. And this image of God, its work is already done. God sees you as a perfect image of God. And then our growing in that is, 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 is walking in accordance with that truth here. That's what our growth is, sanctification, obedience is. That's what it is by faith, right? But we have a job. We're to bear His name among the nations. to demonstrate by our lives and our words and the good news that Christ is King and the path is blessing to others. Where are the areas of God where the image of God you have said in your mind is only partial? Or an on and off again status? And how does your thinking in life now need to change in relation to what the Word of God says? That this is an irrevocable prestige, God said. This is an irrevocable privilege to share His goodness among the nations, to bear His name in your homes, to bear His name in your work. Bear his name at Corey Hill, right, Alicia? To uh, to bear his name uh, uh, as you're doing pedicures, right, Wendy? All right, and so in the servanthood of Jesus there, and engaging in discussions and conversations with people. To bear his name when you're baking pies, right, Faith? That's an easy way to bear his name. <laughs> to bear his name and to pass his blessing to others. When I was growing up, there were two kinds of tag. Two kinds of tag were this. Somebody was it, and if they tagged you, then you were it. And they weren't it anymore, and they chased you. That was one way to play. And there was another way to play tag <coughs> that you could call blob tag, or however you used to call it, whatever you called it, <coughs> where I was it, and then I tagged Dennis, and now Dennis was it with me. And the goal is to get the last person who wasn't tagged, right? 
And then they started off as a, as a, as a tagger. The second way is kind of how this concept, but this concept is about the mission of God. We're tagging people with the gospel. We're declaring the good news. We're bearing God's name. We're making sure there are no obstructions between the truth we proclaim and the lives we live, right? Because that would hinder our witness. And we're saying, you're it now, too. It's your job. And this mission of God has given us incredible prestige that can never be taken away. It's given incredible blessing to multiply image bearers throughout this world. And it's given us an irrevocable person who will never leave us or forsake us engage in that task together. Lord, we were designed to house the fullness of God. What a humbling thought and what a dignifying thought. That announcement, because of our failures, should bow our heads in humility and shame and guilt. So we have broken your law. We have failed in those efforts. We have rebelled against that. But through the gospel should lift our heads with the greatest joy and dignity that we can imagine. Because through the gospel we are your sons. And Lord, out of that should also mobilize in our hearts action of mission, of joining with God, of making disciples, through sharing the good news, but not keeping people at arm's length with just the good news, but inviting them into our lives. Because we have a God who is good, and we are to bear witness to his name. In Jesus' name we pray. I could talk about this topic all day long. Um, the this idea that God's image has been tainted and corrupted, and yet has been restored to us through His Son. That dignity has been given to all of life, our work, our rest, our relationships. It means that everything we do is, is now changed, is transformed, and can be done as an act of worship to Him. And that when people see us at work, or at play, or how we love one another, that their eyes go upward. They look to our God. Because we're made in his image. We've been transformed by his son. Let's stand and sing. Be